Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hey folks, greetings from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio. A balmy Monday morning. Tom giggled when I said balmy. <laughs> that was a blanche. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> a what? A blanche. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So y'all might have... Figured that out. Don's here. Jeff's here. Don was wet. He seems to have dried out some. Partially. Partially dried out. So Don evidently did something early this morning. Got wet. Really, all you got to do is just walk around a little bit. Jeff still seemed dry. Tom still seemed dry. Yeah, for the moment. For the time being. I don't know what y'all have planned for the rest of the day, but I bet it involves heat and does not involve me. Well, you're more than welcome to come join us. <laughs> I, I know. I know I'm welcome, but... You can come I, hold my hot, tough I, pad on I, a hot day but if you I, want. But I have important weed science stuff to do that uh, just happens inside this time of well, year. Well, I was doing important weed science stuff this morning. <sighs> well, no, I can't help it if you can't keep the weeds out of your bug plots, Don. That's what I was doing. I was removing some. Uh, well. <laughs> Well, you can go up there to the north end of the station if you need some practice. Cause no, I, I've got plenty of my own. <laughs> we, we, have, no. we, have, we have some to spare this time of year. Tom, are you going to be here today or are you going? I'll be somewhere looking at soybean plots. At least you don't have stuff dropping on your head now. At least you can. Yeah, yeah at least I'm not walking any corn. I think we're pretty much done with that. If the breeze blows, at least you can get a breeze. Yeah, can breathe. Not covered in whatever's on the corn. Yep. All right, so insecticide termination is what Jeff and Don wanted to talk about today. And I can't remember the last time we had y'all, the, the two of y'all in here together. I can't remember who I posed my question to. I'm going to hit Don with this one. Don, what's your favorite zoo animal? Hmm. I guess I'm going to have to go with a tiger. Okay. Tiger. Obvious choice for Don of Louisiana. Jeff, you got to I'll tell you what my favorite zoo animal for Don was after you tell me what yours Probably is. Probably spider monkeys. Spider monkeys, <laughs> a good choice. <laughs> and the, the reason for that is when I was a kid and we went to, you know, I grew up in Alabama and went to the Birmingham Zoo and they had spider monkeys that their whole thing was surrounded by a moat of water. And they were like out on an island. You could throw chocolate bars out in the water. <laughs> And they weighed out as far as they could and reach out and grab those chocolate bars. And it was just fun watching them and messing with them. I could do it for hours. <laughs> Even though the sign probably said, do <laughs> not feed the spider monkeys. Don't throw chocolate bars <laughs> at the spider monkeys. I grew up in Alabama. I didn't know how to read at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Tom's zoo animal. You know, I would have said gorillas, but it's it's obviously after having spent so many hours in the podcast studio with you it's gonna have to be some form of a penguin just because that's kind of what you've the little mid-size me the little mid-size oh like, absolutely like the, i don't know, like a 24 inch model that's right yeah. shooting straight up out of the freezer <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping don was gonna say koala bear <laughs> <laughs> but he let me down why because they sleep half the day <laughs> why would they i hide say that don s- is not cuddly <laughs> <laughs> They're they're like the anti cook. Okay. <laughs> the tiger was strong though. That was a good that was a good choice. It's been a long time at LSU, man. Oh yeah. August twenty third. 
Sometimes we do dates, sometimes we don't, since we're going to drop this one here pretty quick. Today is August 23rd, so got to be getting close to the end, at least on the cotton, and then, of course, the replanted soybeans. Some of those still got a ways to go. So what y'all have on your mind this morning? Well, I mean, right now we're getting we, – we are getting close to the end on cotton, most of the cotton. I mean, we're – really for most of the year we've been running about two to three weeks late. So we're not quite there yet, but we're starting to hear of a lot, a lot of cotton getting less than note above white flower five at this point. And right now we're kind of in a big egg lay, a bollworm egg lay that's going on. Hearing a lot of folks picking up a lot of bollworm eggs. Really in cotton, for pretty much all insects, or the most common ones that we deal with, which are tarnished plant bugs and bollworms, the two biggies for us, um, our recommendation is to terminate when we hit note above white flower 5 plus 350 heat units. You know, one of the big issues with that is generally you, you hit that 350 heat units about two weeks after note above white flower 5. And nobody knows exactly when they hit note above white flower 5, or people rarely know when they hit note above white flower 5. Well, and it varies across a field, right? I mean, it's going to vary with a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, if you got something that delayed part right. of the field, it's going to be behind the other. Soil texture, water. Yeah. Generally, it's going to be pretty close, though, unless you get a big section of a field gets flooded out early yeah. and gets held back two or three weeks from the rest of the field. But generally within about a week's time. But, I mean, you would pick it on a field by field at least. That, correct, oh, yeah. yeah. And so the, the question we get a lot is when do I stop? And, you know, of course we ask them, what's your note about white flower count? And they tell us. And at that point it's almost impossible to start back calculating heat units and things like that. And so we've done a little bit, and we're actually working on it more right now, looking at what node above white flower count equals node above white flower 5 plus 350 heat units. And I've always guessed it was kind of 2 to 3 in that, in that 2, 2 and a half range. It varied a lot. or Not, not a lot, but it varied some. And it, all the work that we've done so far it generally ranges from about 2.6 to 3.2 or something like that. So basically when you get to about note above white flower 3, you're going to be at note above white flower 5 plus 350 heat units. You're pretty close to it. That's important from the standpoint that once you get, once that crop gets beyond that point, we can start you know, it's still going to keep flowering and keep growing until the weather conditions shut it down. Shut it down, or or we spray a defoliant, defoliant right. on it and terminate it ourselves. Basically, at that point in the season, any flowers that are produced after that point, if they do produce a bowl, well, first off, the the chances of a flower making a bowl at that point in the season are extremely low. And if it does, it's going to be a small, real small bowl that doesn't contribute a lot to yield. And so at the end of the season, we end up chasing a lot of insects and making two to three additional sprays that never pay for themselves by putting more cotton in the basket. And it makes it look good, makes the cotton look good at the end of the year. You don't see a little switch in the top, but at the end of the day, 
thinking about the bottom line, we're not putting more money in our pockets. In those situations, we're spending a good bit of money to protect really very little. And, you know, that's the decision that that each person has to make when they look at it is, uh, am I going to get a return on what I'm fixing to spend? I mean, we've done a lot, a lot of work looking at terminating based on week of bloom and, and different things. Um, and like with plant bugs, we've, we had a, a graduate student finish up a few years ago. And we got one working on the same thing now. And uh, Wilkes Wood, is a, he did his master's with us a few years ago. And basically what he showed is that you can quit spraying after about the fourth or fifth week of bloom. In real heavy pressure situations, it's the fifth week. If it's kind of light plant bug pressure and we've done a good job up to that point, it's after the fourth week of bloom. We have, we have another student working on it now, one of Angus and Whitney's students, who's looking at developing a dynamic threshold for plant bugs. So right now, once we get into bloom, our threshold is three plant bugs on a drop cloth sample. So three per five row feet. Everything that we've done looking at that fourth and fifth week of bloom has been in small plot research. So we're not real confident in going out there and telling growers to quit spraying after the fourth or fifth week of bloom until we do some on large sc- plot evaluations yeah, on of scale. It. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. some validation work on some yeah. bigger scale. But one thing we're kind of moving towards, though, is changing our thresholds a little bit. In other words, we'll keep it for the first few weeks of bloom at three plant bugs on a drop cloth. But then once we get past that fourth week of bloom, we may be able to go to six plant bugs on a drop cloth or eight or who knows what that number is going to end up being. Um, But that's what we're moving towards so that we're not spending as much money late season as we are during the early season when those insecticide applications pay off. And that would be similar to what we've done in the past with stink bugs and beans. Once you hit R6, your threshold goes up on everything but red banded and try to, you know, minimize some some of the cost associated with some of these late season insect issues. How do you reconcile that on a year? Well, step back. Brian has mentioned in here that this year we started fruiting a couple of nodes higher than what we would have liked. So that or a scenario where maybe we had an extended cloudy, cool period in the early fruiting period, we shed some fruit. How do you ramp that back up knowing that you're going to have to set some more mid and top crop? Does that change what y'all are talking about at all? Not really. And a lot of that depends on when when that happens. And it really goes back to what what we've done by fruit by starting to fruit on a little bit higher node and losing some fruit to cloudy weather is that's almost never going to cause a yield loss in and of itself but it is going to delay it and so that that's part of what has gone into the the delay that I talked about earlier of 2 to 3 weeks later than we typically are and so the cotton really and truly is compensated for that loss and the way it grows, it's still going to hit when it hits that note above white flower three or two or whatever. Well, three is what I said earlier about three. 
determining insecticide applications. That's still going to work out the same way as if we didn't have that delay. It's just going to happen at a different time during the year. It's just going to take a little longer in the season to get there. Right. I'm tracking with you now. One, one of the things you have to think about, you know, when we talk about people hate to see a switch in the field in cotton, and I do too. I mean, it just looks bad. Right. But it's, like like I said earlier, it's not protecting that. It's not paying at the end of the day. You can protect it and hold some of that fruit, but the amount of money that you have to spend on it is way more than you're ever going to make. As we get late in the year like that, you have to think about it from the standpoint of, like with plant bugs, I mean, they're resistant to pretty much everything we spray other than transform and diamond. Right now we've never documented resistance to those. But most of those late-season sprays are going to be acephate by fenthrin. may add some diamond in with it. And what happens with, with plant bugs is we've been spraying them all year up to this point. And we're starting out at the beginning of the year with resistant populations. We know that. But the more we spray throughout the year, the more resistant they get. So chasing these late-season plant bugs, populations with insecticides they're even harder to kill than they were back during the first week of bloom and so that's why we can get into this situation where you're just making sprays every four or five days because you're never really getting good control of them at that time of the year so not only are you making additional applications that are less effective you're also hurting your bottom line because you're never going to sit and pick most of those bowls that are forming at that point. That's right. And even if you do, they're going to be small and not contribute a lot to yield. Don, what about soybeans this time of year? In context of this year, we're all over the board. We've got beans that are, you know, getting close to their turning. There's a lot of beans that are starting to turn in the early planted ones. Uh, we've got some that are kind of getting there, and we've got some with a long way to go. Typically what we say on terminating in soybeans is when you hit R6 and a half, walk away from it because the seed is no longer taking anything up from, from the plant. It's starting to dry down. I think on some of the stink bugs like red banded, the, the threshold goes way up, in, especially in case if you have bad weather that may come, you know, that may degrade the seed with in a combination of insect feeding, particularly like the... For uh, defoliators, which we've had quite a number this year of various types, you hit R6.5 and, and you just kind of let those go because this, you're not gaining any more weight or nutrients from the plant into the seed. It's starting that maturity and dry down process. The hard part of this is if is uh, determining that. And I won't say it's that hard, but, you know, it's – the thing you got to be sure about, and it's the same with, you know, desiccants. You can put a desiccant out on R6.5 beans, but if, but if you're early than that, you kind of hurt yourself. Just make sure that if you think you're at R6.5, be sure what it is. Those membranes are peeling loose from, every, from the seed in the pod walls. What are general reports of red band stink bugs in our production system right now and anything getting to threshold at this point i have not i've heard of just a few little little hot spots where they may have treated some but it's not not even close to where we were last year 
there are spots, you know, folks have said, well, I've seen one or a few hot spots that, you know, yeah, we've got some. And other spots uh, have said, folks have said, we haven't seen one yet. Most of the sprays that have gone out at this point in soybeans have been a complex, for stink bugs, have been a complex of stink bugs. Yeah. What I'm seeing in my looking around is browns and greens for the most part. A few southern greens, not not really very many, but and then a few red bandits here, there, and yonder, but mostly it's been browns and greens. The ones that are more cold tolerant that survive, you know, cooler, colder winters a little better than the others. Yeah, and so we have different thresholds for the different species. It's four for red banded and nine. It's nine for everything for else. For everything else. Almost forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> And that and, wouldn't have gone over well. That well, just, I'm, and I mean, and it's, and I it's mean, a combination of, you know, browns, greens, southern greens, any combination of those it, is nine is the typical threshold. Yeah, and the, the question I've been getting a lot is I've got a total of seven in 25 sweeps, but two of them are red bands and the rest are greens and browns. What do I do? And it's it's really you kind of have to go – on a case-by-case basis, but generally the general kind of way to think about that is for a red banded, you count it twice and use the threshold of nine, and it's going to come out pretty close to spraying a good yeah. consistent threshold to use. Don, we talked to Trent last week and asked him about the replanted fields and how to manage those and didn't really touch on insect management i guess we mentioned the fact that that was a possibility tom but we didn't go into any details on that what are you thinking i mean obviously not knowing insects that are going to be around a month from now but just what are you thinking anticipating well you know anticipated uh anticipate possibly stink bugs possibly bollworm because i'm seeing some in some of my stuff and it's we usually we have a little run in july but everything's kind of weird this year, so I'm seeing some now. Potentially see some later. These salt marsh caterpillars are st- still around. This is second time in 30 years I've seen them like this. And loopers are a definite possibility. And stink bugs. I would say, and I'm guessing here, but say probably 82 south. We probably have a possibility of velvet bean caterpillar too because they're migratory uh, and have to kind of move up. So with these late beans, we could see those and, you know, get it. They can come in in big numbers and eat a lot of leaves real quick like. So just a typical late season, you know, complex. Assuming we get into a situation, just say stink bugs, how do you propose managing those fields? And it may be that, Original plantings not harvested yet, but the the replanted portion of the field is that threshold. How do you manage that? I think you have to manage them separately because you all these products have a certain pre-harvest interval. I mean, you may be within that window for the stuff for the you know the original planting, and then the others you got a long way. So it may be easier to manage as two separate fields. Yeah. You know, whether you do it by ground or by air. Use the thresholds or in common sense because we're already late. 
our yield potential is down just based on planting date. Try to balance insect management and potential or yield potential and profit potential and not spend up what profit we might could make trying to control insects. So yeah, what, one of the things I've been asked a lot here lately is how, how do we adjust our thresholds based on yield potential versus for April planted beans versus July planted beans. And really, yield potential shouldn't play into our thresholds because the way our thresholds are developed and what a threshold is, is it's assuming or not assuming. I mean, we've done a lot of research to show that if you get a certain amount of defoliation, you're going to lose this amount of beans. Or if you get this number of stink bugs, they're going to eat so many beans. And so it doesn't matter what the yield potential is. If one stink bug eats a bushel of beans, he's going to eat a bushel of beans on 80 bushel yield potential or or 20 bushel yield potential. And so the the way those thresholds are kind of factored in is based on how much yield that insect is going to eat and how much it's going to cost to control it. And so those thresholds, it shouldn't matter if if you have an 80 bushel yield potential or 20 bushel yield potential. The cost to control versus how much the insect eats is how those thresholds are determined. And the price of the, within, you know, a range, we've got it set up as a range of, of prices that you could get for for those beans too, so you can look at it over that range. But I guess what I was getting at is, you know, we in this, especially in this situation, we don't need to cheat the thresholds. Well, I mean, I got half threshold. I'm going to just go ahead and take care of it. I don't think we have the leeway on all that with these later planted beans that we might have on the earlier. I think the the decision-making is going to be a lot more, I don't know what the right word is. I don't think you have as much margin for error. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to how much you want to spend on a crop, right? Well, that's true. That's right. The price you're getting for beans, Don mentioned that, is going to have a much bigger impact than the yield potential because a bushel of beans this year is worth more than a bushel of beans last year. No question about that. Yeah, but I'm still of the mind right now, and I know we talked to Trent last week, and my general thinking from the pathology standpoint is be more concerned about the insects because from a late season disease management standpoint, we don't have much out there right now that's typically categorically considered a major yield reducer. It's the typical lower canopy issues. Very few people have a frog eye leaf spot susceptible variety, so you take that one out of the picture, and we don't have any soybean rust yet. So the question I continue to get is, well, I'm at threshold for insects. Should I just throw a fungicide in there? And I, I'm very hesitant to spend that money because I think at this standpoint, you should be more concerned about the insects right now than you should be something that may or may not show up. And as we're sitting here the 23rd of August, I think we're at the point where it's we're going to factor that out of a, a yield-limiting situation again in 2021. So that winter paid off and from the insect standpoint we may get lucky and not have any huge catastrophic infestations i mean it's happened before but it could go the other way too so it's just we just have to wait and see an entomologist who was older and wiser than me said you never make predictions insects will make a liar out of you every time yeah i think that would be the case for what all of us do 
especially in 2021. No, <laughs> no doubt about that. I, I'm trying to help out as much as I can. So every salt marsh caterpillar I see coming across the road, I'm trying to <laughs> weave, dodge, and run their ass over as I see them out there. My, my four-year-old calls them woolly boogers for some reason. <laughs> I don't have any idea where she got that. She might have got it from her mama. Some people call them woolly bears. Well, there's, before. there's, I think there's multiple species, and the general term for all of them is called woolly bear caterpillars. Well, at some point they got translated to woolly booger at my house. <laughs> well, I've heard that too. That's <laughs> close enough, isn't it? <laughs> As usual, we really appreciate our regular listeners. Uh, this is certainly something I think it's informative to get that pertinent, up-to-date information out there as rapidly as we can, and certainly a podcast helps with that. If you need us for more personal one-on-one questions, feel free to track us down. We all have cell phones. Those numbers are pretty widely available. We won't give them on this podcast, but you pretty much can get in contact with us anyway. Text message, send us direct message on Twitter. Um, We definitely would like to thank Jeff and Don for taking time out of their busy day, especially when it's as hot as it is right now to sit in here and give us some information on late season insecticide and insect management in general. Heat index is 98. Y'all enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. It's going higher. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. 